God damn it, an entire generation pumping gas, waiting tables. Advertising has us chasing cars and clothes, working jobs we hate so we can buy shit we don't need. We're the middle children of history, man. No purpose or place. We've all been raised on television to believe that one day we'd all be millionaires and movie gods and rock stars, but we won't. We're slowly learning that fact. We're very, very pissed off. Hi, I'm Joe. And I'm Tiana. And this is Next Door Villain. A podcast where we uncover the villains to discover their humanity. The first rule of talking about Fight Club on a podcast is to talk a lot about Fight Club. It is a podcast episode about Fight Club. Might as well talk about it. Sorry. Yeah. And... With that, I say, uh, let's make a moratorium on talking about Fight Club jokes. Yes. Well, that might be a problem because I do have some <laughs> don't talk about Fight Club jokes up my sleeve. Oh, boy. <laughs> Too late. Uh, we'll scratch don't that. Don't beat me up. Anyways, we are here to talk about Fight Club, the 1999 movie starring Edward Norton and Brad Pitt. And Helena Bonham Carter as the the singular woman in the film. And uh, Meatloaf. Meatloaf. Rip, rest in peace, Meatloaf. His name was Meatloaf. His name was Meatloaf. His name was Meatloaf. (laughs) Uh, For those of you listening, if you haven't watched Fight Club in a while, that was a Fight Club reference that Tiana just did. Uh, His name was Robert what? Robert Paulson. Paulson. Robert Paulson. Paulson. His name was Robert Paulson. Yep. So Fight Club, this is a, a great film, a controversial film, a terrible film. It's a lot of things all at once. <laughs> I like Fight Club. <laughs> yeah, I think I do too, but I have a lot of caveats to that. I remember when I was younger watching Fight Club and being like, oh, this movie's so cool. And yeah, me uh, too. Tyler's so cool. And then I rewatched it a couple of days ago to prepare for this episode, and I sort of looked at it in a completely new light. And I think given the state of what's going on with the world, it puts a new tint on the understanding of what's going on in the movie and what it means. And I think we're we're probably going to talk a lot about that today. Yeah. And, you know, as a disclaimer, I really like Fight Club. I still love it in a way. But, you know, you can critique and still admire. So if we say any critiques, just keep that in mind. I'm still glad it was made. (laughs) Yeah. Joe disagrees. No. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I have a question. Oh, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. I really have to know. I've been dying to ask you. If we were in a fight, both you and I, who do you think would win? Like a physical fight. Like purely physical. Yeah, purely physical. Um, I am quite confident that I, I would win. Oh yeah, I've I've seen the way that you move. Um. <laughs> it's true. I am quite the klutz. I even got a black eye because I ran into a door once. <laughs> um, you know, it was open, and so that middle part when you open the door and it open, and then boom, right in my eye. I've also kicked a few doors accidentally while walking. 
What else? I, I just had a lot of issues with doors. So that's that's a fair assessment. Yeah. I'm not saying that I would be good in a fight because I would not. And it's just I'm so bad that you would still. Yeah. I, I utilize the uh, the Buster Bluth method of like curling up in a ball on the ground and uh, hoping <laughs> the other person just doesn't want to kick. But yes, you in particular, I, I think I would have an upper hand on. Yeah. Plot twist. I did get my junior black belt when I was 14. Oh, well, I got my two stripes on my white belt. <laughs> oh, well, 14 was a long time ago. There's some muscle memory there, but not as much as there used to be. Yeah. It's kind of like one of those things like. I think you see this in cartoons sometimes or maybe in some anime where like when the person is the, just like their average self, but then once they're challenged with a fight, then they go into some kind of beast mode and then all of those flaws kind of mm. go away. And so I feel like that's what can happen to me. Yeah, I think I'm an anime <laughs> superhero. I'm Goku, by the way. No, just kidding. Anywho, yeah. I, I really wanted to know. Listeners, uh, write in. Let us know who you think would win in a fight. Yeah. Tiana or I. Maybe we need to do some, like, video. Video fight. <laughs> video fight. <laughs> that sounds like the dumbest. It's <laughs> <laughs> like Maybe my first video it. would be to throw a punch, and then your next video <laughs> was a punch, and then you wait for me to respond, and then it's another punch. It would just be ridiculous. Um, great. So now that we've got that out of the way, uh, we've got to do our 30-second intro challenge where we do our best to describe the villain in their entirety in just 30 seconds with no pre-preparation. And if you like, you can go on to our Spotify afterwards and you can vote for who does a better job. And the loser has to do something funny. What should what should the loser have to do this week? Um. Ooh, ooh, what about... All right, spoiler alert for Fight Club if you haven't watched it. What about you have to get in a fight with yourself? Ooh. Okay, deal. All right. The loser of the 30-second intro challenge has to get in a fight with themselves, just like Edward Norton does in Fight Club <laughs> many times. Yeah. All right. Who's going first? I'll get it over with. All right. Three, two, one, go. All right. So Tyler Durden is this hot, macho man. Uh, who smokes and wear le wears leather jackets, and he's kind of an extension of narrator. Um, he's kind of like narrator's alter ego that takes over narrator slash Edward Norton in the film and starts this entire group of men who not only fight each other, but also do wild things <laughs> in the world in order to make a statement about consumerism at all. And nice. Yeah, All right. that was a decent, a decent ass assessment. Dankeschön. All right, three, two, one, go. All right, Tyler Durden is this, like, sexy, anti-capitalist, um, anarchist dude who just, like, hates consumerism and wants to take down all the things that are negative about it. And he also, like, has this, um, he's, he's, like, upset with his life, uh, or he's upset with the idea of, like, having to live a consumerist capitalist life and wants to feel something. So he starts these fight clubs where he can get punched and he can feel pain and then feel emotions and be man. Be man. <laughs> be man. As a man, because you, you got more testosterone than I do, right? Okay. So when you watch, apparently, so when you watch Fight Club, are you like, yeah, I like that. Like the punch, like 
Me personally, no. The idea of like getting into a fight scares me. But there is something about that idea of like feeling something of like, um, and, and, and I'm not saying that I think like going out and like causing pain is good. I think that's like bad, but like doing something to like re-energize. And I think it, it doesn't have to be a fight. It can be many, many other things. Like I do this thing where every month of the year I go jump in the ocean and I, I live in Maine. So every year the ocean's cold and it's sort of this like rejuvenating thing where you like jump in and it's like this shock to the system and it's just like this intense feeling and it, it feels, it feels good. So I, I think that's sort of the same thing that's happening to these guys in this fight club is, is they're looking for that feeling. They're just doing it in um, a way that's like toxic, toxic masculinity, really. Yeah. I think I have a little more of a more positive view of Fight Club. Mm -hmm. And so in this episode, we're empathizing with Tyler Durden, right? So like, I appreciate that Tyler Durden created Fight Club and I can understand kind of why he created it for for mainly one reason. There are many reasons why he created Fight Club. But Uh the one reason that I tend to agree with is that when you're fighting, it's the release of the fear of death and fear in general, by getting close to death, by like physically fighting, you get more comfortable with risk and your mortality. This can be a good thing, I think, because we will we will all die. So I think it's good for us to be better at recognizing that and living a bit more freely as a result. And by doing risky things like fighting, the risky things in life that you used to be afraid of doing but could potentially help you with your life they don't seem all that risky anymore when you're fighting on a regular basis. I agree with you. And I think that's like or like what a lot of the controversy about this film is rooted in is that Tyler has a lot of ideas that I think many of us would agree with, like, yeah. and, and that, that sound cool, right? Like this idea of like confronting death and being broken down to nothing and then get, getting to rebuild is is like an exciting idea and this like anti-capital anti-consumer ideas are intriguing to a lot of people the problem is that this film sort of like glorifies tyler and the path that he chooses which is basically to radicalize white men around the u.s to ultimately commit acts of of terror and so Rewatching this film today in like a post Columbine world where there's all these high profile shootings, there's the the attack on the Capitol and like all of this like violence happening largely by white men who feel left behind or like disassociated with their lives. It, it, it gives Fight Club today sort of like a real intensity that feels real in a way that I don't think it did when the film came out. So yeah, I, I just think the movie could have done a better job of kind of showing how what Tyler was doing was bad, ultimately. Like it was rooted in interesting, good ideas, but he took it a little bit too far. A, and, a lot of, a lot of bit yeah. too far, I think. And the narrator, I think, tries to show that it's bad. 
there are a few scenes, like, for example, when Bob died, when Robert mm -hmm. Pierce, Paulson. why do I keep Paulson? When Robert Paulson died, like, he, I think he was trying to, like, recenter everyone, like, this is bad. Like, what are you guys doing? And then the narrator also tries to stop Tyler from blowing up those credit card company buildings. Mm -hmm. So the narrator kind of tries, I think, to show that it's bad. He's not very clear <laughs> as to why. He's just kind of saying it's gotten too far. So he's not very specific, but... Yeah. So the, the one other thing I'll say, because I don't want to spend this whole episode critiquing Fight Club, uh, but I do think it's just like important to mention that this that there are some problematic aspects of this film. The other one is that, as I said before, this this film is largely about white men. There are almost no people of color in the movie. There's only one actual woman who plays a role in this movie, and she is mostly there to be abused by the main character. And then for whatever reason, comes running back to him at the end just because he apologizes and is injured. <laughs> uh, so... Yeah, I, I think those aspects of the movie are, are problematic. And without that, like, if this movement happened among more diversity involved, like, it maybe could have been a more interesting, cool movement. But the fact that it's just these white men who feel like society has, like, broken them down and doesn't let them be masculine, I, I think that's where a lot of a lot of the issues with this film emerge. And I think a lot of, uh, based on reading I've done on reddit and quora and whatnot there are a lot of men who really really love this film uh for a lot of the wrong reasons it's also i think a great film like like a well-made film right it, i feel like it didn't age well <laughs> uh, and i still love this film i've seen it maybe like five different times but uh -huh. most recently i watched it for the first time like with a feminist lens and I do have like an entire paragraph supporting why like this film really hates women. And I didn't really notice it until I watched it with that lens. And I don't want to go into all of it now because, again, I don't want to spend the whole time <laughs> talking. There are lots of great podcasts and articles about the, out there about why it's not really a great film for women. But but I still watch it. I think uh, I cut them some slack, I think, because it was made in 1999. I think it's very thrilling, I think, to get in a fight with someone. I also agree with a lot of things that Tyler says about consumerism um, <laughs> and yeah. stupid Ikea apartments. And I, and I think about it sometimes. So it still had a very somewhat positive effect on me. Yeah. So like you said earlier, and like we try to say just about every episode, to we don't have to justify any of the things that Tyler's doing. We don't have to justify the film. And it's okay to critique something and also to appreciate the things about it that we enjoy. I love the soundtrack of this film. Oh, yeah. Uh, Where is my mind? Yep. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've been listening to that song nonstop where, uh, by the Pixies. A lot of people diss on the, the CGI in this film, which was uh, <laughs> way, way overused, but... I, I yeah. thought it was kind of cool. Yeah. I didn't have any problem with the CGI. Yeah. With that out of the way, it's back to Tyler. So Tyler. Now let's just love Tyler now. Let's just Yeah, we no. and and so we've touched on this already. If you're listening this far, you've probably seen the film. I, this film is so ubiquitous ubiquitous. Uh <laughs> that I I think people know the conceit. I, I think it's like out there in the general population that Tyler and the narrator of the film 
are the same person. Mm -hmm. And we never know the narrator's name. So I'm just, I'm going to refer to him as Edward Norton because okay. he's played yeah. by Edward Norton. And then Tyler is Brad Pitt, but we'll refer to him as Tyler because we know his name. Essentially, Edward Norton has, uh, it's, it's never said specifically, but probably like multiple personalities and that he like basically kind of blacks out and becomes Tyler at times. And then at other times he sort of projects Tyler as like, as if he's watching Tyler do things, but it's actually himself doing things. And Tyler is like this side of him that like wants to break free of his monotonous life where he's like dependent on his nine to five job. And he's sort of owned by his like nice things that he buys from Ikea and fills, to, it, it fills his apartment with to try to make him feel like his life means something. Yeah. How do you empathize with Tyler? With Tyler. And I think um, when we say empathizing with Tyler, we're sort of, we're empathizing with both Tyler and the narrator because they are the same person, right? Right. Okay, FBI agents, please don't arrest me. I would never actually do this, okay? But I can see where Tyler is coming from in blowing up the credit card companies at the end of the movie. Mm -hmm. In 1999, uh, things were still on paper. Debt records were still on paper. And so they were still in those buildings. And so if he blows them up, all of those records, those debt records are gone. And then people are not chained to their credit card debt. And so, yeah, that would work in 1999. It wouldn't really work now because, you know, things are in the cloud. And Tyler was going to do that or did do that when no one was in those buildings, when it was like after hours. He, he had no intention of physically harming anyone. And I'd be like, yeah, blow the shit up. Yeah. Though he had no intention of physically harming anyone, but mm -hmm. um, I mean, those buildings came down. Like there, yeah. were, there were probably cars on the streets with people in them. There were people yeah. who worked in those buildings who needed that job in order to support their families. I don't think Tyler necessarily thought out that. And that's the thing with their plan is like, yeah, great. Take down the credit card companies, but all of the like residual negative effects of doing that are going to harm a lot of people as well. I think they just think that it, it balances out or the. It's a net good. Yeah, it's a net good. Uh. I guess maybe I was more intrigued by it these days because of the student debt crisis or the loan crisis and the amount like total U.S. consumer debt in 2021 is at $14.9 trillion. It could free a lot of people, you know, if those records were erased, if they didn't have to deal with all that debt. Yeah. I And again, I'm like still like dissing on Tyler, but um, <laughs> I promise I'll turn it around here. I, I agree with you. Like his ideas are very enticing. And I think a lot of his philosophy, I do agree with this like anti-capitalist, anti-consumerist culture. Like that's one thing I really appreciate about him, even though I don't like the way he goes about it because my, yeah. my feelings, and I, I kind of like, I'm like leaning towards being a social anarchist, but I, I haven't quite fully committed yet. <laughs> but this thing about capitalism is that in order to continue making money, capitalism has to keep like inventing new things to sell to us. It has to basically separate us from the things that we need. So for example, like you could just grow your own food and like you could go out, pick that food, eat that food. Capitalism invents a step in the middle that says, we're going to pick this food for you and then sell it to you. And then 
once that's happening, capitalism needs to make more money. So it's like, we're going to pick this food and then we're going to chop it up in a certain way so that it's ready for you to eat it. So like, it has to keep inventing these levels in between us and the things that we need. And I think that that's where in this film, that's where the narrator is kind of feeling like so disconnected from the real world and real life and real things because this consumerism is basically inventing things for us to need and for us to want um, rather than like actually having real things. Yeah. Does that did that make any sense or was that just Yeah, it does. <laughs> it does. Yeah, that makes sense. So I, I think that's that's one way where Tyler and I, I think, really agree, though mm-hmm. I would never radicalize a bunch of white men via fight clubs to achieve that. Never say never. We know the irony here is that if there's got to be one of us who will do that, it would be me. I would start my own fight club, but I would, it wouldn't be just for white men. Yeah. Well, it's just like, it's like, you, you, like men, they like, you think you're the only ones? Yeah, right, right. You think you're the only ones that like feel shot down and feel this burden of living in a capitalist society that exploits people like you're yeah yeah you're not the obviously i mean you yeah it's just it's the first time in history you've like had to feel this way <laughs> oh yeah yeah and i do like tyler's vibe of bringing up the the working class you know we wash rich man's shoes we do their laundry we do all of this shit for them and for what for what Poor, to get like nine dollars an hour i don't know how much they were getting paid in 1999, probably like $5 an hour. I don't know. I don't know much about inflation. Um, and for what? It, it is excruciating. It is really excruciating. Yeah. Again, the the ideas and the, the feelings they're experiencing are, are very relatable. They've just chosen like toxic masculinity as the route to like achieve their enlightenment through. And explain a little bit more of that toxic masculinity. Like, what do you mean by that? Well, so uh, like one of the the big ideas of this film is that like Tyler and Edward Norton, they talk about how they're like a generation raised by women. And there's this idea that like they haven't been able to express their true manly nature. And that's that's one of the reasons for Fight Club is like to feel that pain, but it's also like to let out that male aggression that they feel has been repressed. And I I think they're misplacing that. Like, I think that they're attributing their feelings to a lack of manly expression. But in reality, I, I think everyone is feeling these sort of things. It's not about not being able to express yourself as a man. It's about, well, not being able to express yourself as a human being. That, that women and people of color are like going through and have gone through a lot of these same issues and a lot of worse issues. And so th- that that's where I think the toxic masculinity component comes in. And they also think that in order to feel something, they need to completely get rid of femininity and anything that reminds them of womanhood. Mm-hmm. It's like they equated femininity with shackles. Yeah. And that's partly why like the movie's, you know, a little bit problematic for women. <laughs> <laughs> because there is a lot of power in femininity, but they don't want that. They don't even acknowledge that that could even be a possibility. And Tyler Durden literally says, we were a generation of men raised by our mothers. Don't you think we've had enough of that? Or he says something along those yeah. lines. Or, I don't think women is what we need in, in our lives anymore. Along that sort of toxic masculinity line, there there is a number of people who read Fight Club as sort of a homoerotic story 
where Tyler is like this dangerous force of toxic masculinity that's pulling at Edward Norton. At the same time, he's like sort of like this, he's, he's, he's sexual as well. And there are a lot of these sexual moments between them in the film. Like if you watch back to the film, like notice how many like sort of sexual moments they have together uh, and the conversations they have. And then there's this idea that like at the end of the film, when Edward Norton kills Tyler Durden and then takes Marla's hand, he's choosing to embrace the feminine side of himself rather than the the toxic male side that he's felt pulling on him from society. And I, I probably botched up that explanation, but if you Google that, there are some really great articles out there that explain it way better. And I, uh, I, I don't know if it's the right take, but it was an interesting and I think useful way to think about the film in a different light. Like what is a scene, if you can remember, like what is a scene that Tyler and Edward Norton had that was like homoerotic? There's the scene when they're when Tyler is bathing next to Edward. And that's, I think, the same time where they have that conversation about their mothers. I mean, there's there's a lot of, of, of Tyler just looking sexy. Yeah, I can't deny that. Um, but back to loving Tyler. Yes. <laughs> I promise. Okay. We don't have to love him. We just have to empathize. I love him. Okay. I don't know if I love him. That's a big word. I don't know if I love him. Okay. I'm just going nuts. Moving on. Lately, I've been interested in examining, like, the necessity of a villain in a film. Why are they there? Like, how are they necessary? And I could tell that Tyler Durden, in a way, was necessary in helping Edward Norton reclaim his power and good power, actually, surprisingly. For most of the movie, narrator is agreeing with and abiding with Tyler Durden and what he wants. So, like, at first... He's becoming Tyler Durden. And during that period, Edward Norton first needed to realize that he could go against the grain in a consumer society, but he also like needed to realize that he did not need to give up his power to Tyler in order to be powerful. Mm -hmm. So, and then in the end, Edward Norton puts a gun to his head and shoots. And like, this is how I interpret the shooting in the head scene. He like, quote unquote, killed a part of himself. And it's like a metaphor for how you need to realize your full power and control as a person first in order to take back the power and control that you lost. Like he realizes that he has the gun in his hand. He realizes that he has the power to get rid of Tyler and therefore he regains control. Like it sounds strange, but you realize your power first in order to have it. Like he wouldn't be able to come to this realization without Tyler Durden being there first to test him. So it was like also a good reminder to me, too, that I I have power in my life. But sometimes I think to myself, oh, I don't have this power. But if I can, of course, with the mild disclaimer, this doesn't always work. But I have to rem remember that I have power in my life. And then once I remember that, then I have the power to change something or do something that's better for me. Yeah, it's like you need to see the contrasting extreme in order to like better understand your place and where you're at. And I, I think he probably had all these fantasies in his head, which is where Tyler came from, right? Yeah. These fantasies about what life could be like. And Tyler showed him the extreme end of that, which really like put himself in perspective to, to allow him to like, like, yeah, like you said, realize 
where he is and where he should be. In the beginning of the movie, Edward Norton slash narrator was just going about life like a drone. He didn't feel that he had any power to do anything. It's like he needed Tyler to push him over to the edge and then practice getting back into control. So. Yeah. Um, and also, also while you were saying that, I remember the, the homoerotic moment that I was first thinking about, which was, uh, I think it's in the opening scene when it, I think it opens on him with the gun in his mouth saying, you can only speak in vowels with a gun in your mouth. That was sexually suggestive to me. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I have more to say. So to see Tyler's perspective, I can understand why Tyler overtook Edward Norton and his mind and his identity, because it is kind of an advantage to have someone else inside you to help you be what you're afraid to be and to help you do what you're afraid to do. Like, that's that's kind of an advantage. Like, when I was watching Fight Club, I was like, it would actually be kind of cool if someone else took over for a bit. You know, taught me how to do a few things, taught me how to do a few powerful things, taught me how to live life in a way that I wanted to live it. And, you know, Tyler does these things for him. And then Edward Norton gets rid of him. And that's frustrating. I can see how that would be frustrating for Tyler Durden. He did a lot of work for him, kind of, if you think about it. And I also appreciate how, he, you know, like, we shouldn't forget that Tyler Durden and Edward Norton are the same people. Um, and so it, by taking over, in a way, Tyler is showing and teaching Edward Norton that he can have all the qualities that he has, too. Like, basically teaches him that. And he also teaches him that it's more of a mindset. Because, like, Brad Pitt, right, Tyler Durden, looks um, so hot and so buff and so sexy and Edward Norton I love you but you you aren't as conventionally attractive as Brad Pitt but yet <laughs> Edward Norton looking as he is is able to do all of those things that Tyler Durden can do while not looking like Tyler Durden so it's more of a mindset I mean Edward Norton's attractive in his own right yes he so is take that away from of, obviously yes uh, yeah, don't yes, hate yes. us Edward Norton it's just He's teaching us that it's a mindset. Like, if I don't have the hottest body on the planet, right? Like, if I have power, if I have the confidence of Tyler Durden, I can do a lot, even if I'm not, I'm not a supermodel, you know? Yeah, he needs to, like, well, he needs, well, he needs therapy. Like, he needs, <laughs> he needs medical help. Yeah. And it's a shame because he, in the beginning of the film, he goes and tries to get help for his insomnia. Yeah. And, and the doctor's like, oh, just exercise, get some sleep. And he's like, that's what I can't do. Right. Um, but I, I think you're right. Because Tyler and him are the same person, like he is capable of all the things that Tyler is. And the ideal situation, I think, would be for him to be able to meld the best parts of both himself and Tyler together. Both sides of him have some parts that are not so good and parts that are better if he could find a way to to bring the best parts into one yeah he could really be living large right he could be having a great life yeah but that that's a lot of i mean that's a lot of work to, to get there yeah but yeah yeah so the question <laughs> i have a question mm -hmm. that helps us 
be pro Tyler Durden. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> Obviously, Tyler Durden is kind of like Edward Norton's uh, alter ego that kind of took over his identity and who he is. Who would your other self, quote unquote self, be like if you had an alter ego that took over? Remember that your other self usually compensates for what you lack. <laughs> is that are you trying to suggest something? <laughs> this is a this is a great question, and there there's a lot that immediately comes to mind because this is, I, I this is at the heart of like what I am working through in therapy every week, is that I do feel I I don't I, I don't have multiple personalities, but I do feel like there are two different sides of me that are very distinct. And one of them is my like analytical conscious side, which is the way that I present most often in the world, which is, um, I'm very measured, very controlled. I sort of like try to keep my emotions in check. It's a very analytical way to be. I mean, you hear me as I'm talking, like I'm always kind of stuttering on my words because I'm trying to find just the right word to use when I'm speaking because I don't want to seem, uh, I don't know, overly emotional. So then, so that's one side. And the other side of me is this deeply emotional side, which I, I believe that I have and that I'm like constantly kind of suppressing because I don't know, I'm embarrassed or ashamed of what might happen if I let loose um, and that I express myself in a way that I don't have any control over. So that... I think my, my alter ego is this like very emotional version of myself. Who's like very expressive, who can like go out and do wild and crazy things without having to think and analyze about it. What I'm working on is exactly what I think Edward Norton and Tyler Durden need to do, which is try to figure out how to take the best parts of both sides of me and bring them to the forefront. So right now. I am very like, very much the analytical side of me is the forward side of me. I'm trying to figure out how I can let more of the emotional side of me seep out into my everyday life so I can feel like both of these sides are connected as and working together as one rather than one having more control than the other. Yeah, that makes sense. So I, I, I think you were looking for a, like a little bit of a, <laughs> of a sillier answer. <laughs> uh, it can be whatever but, you want that I, watching this film and, and that you asked me that question, that's just like, was so apparent. And that, and that to me is the biggest way that I relate to Tyler is that I, I very much understand this idea of having someone else inside of you who's very different and is very enticing in a lot of ways, but also can be a little bit too much and trying to figure out where that balance is of letting the good parts of that side come into yeah. my life. And that's kind of like a pro Tyler statement to say that the narrator or Edward Norton should take the good parts of Tyler Durden and, and incorporate it into his own personality because we're admitting that there are good parts to Tyler Durden. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, a lot of bad ones, too. <laughs> oh, yeah. But, uh... A great, great soul patch. Mm -hmm. he, he had such... A late '90s look with that red vest and the soul patch, yeah. and the spiky hair. Looked so cool. He, he he would be a fun guy to be around too. Like I don't know, I'd get drinks with him. 
I mean, yeah, I'd, I'd get drinks with him, but I'd probably I'd go home around 11 <laughs> and <laughs> before he starts punching you. <laughs> no, he'll take a gun to your head and he'll be like, Joe, what did you want to be when you grow up? You wanted to be a famous dancer? Go do it. If you're not doing it in six months, you're dead. And that's what would happen. And then you'd become a famous dancer. When I was young uh-huh. and I watched that film and he like held up that guy with the gun and was like, if you're not going to nursing school in six weeks or whatever, I'm going to come kill you. <laughs> I was like, oh, man, that's such a good idea. <laughs> that guy. Um, and then as an adult, I'm like, holy crap, that's not OK. Like that's traumatized. Like does this guy, he couldn't go to nursing school because of money. How, how, how's he going to go? <laughs> now like True. he he probably still needs the money right but he needs to somehow get there otherwise he's gonna die and now he's traumatized another example of how this movie like i think didn't age super well because yeah. some of these ideas some of these like class issues i think are much more apparent in uh, everyday conversation than they were back then yeah i at least know that tyler meant well when he did that to that guy and i still appreciate the lesson like when you're watching the film as an audience member it gets you to thinking like hmm if i was in that situation would tyler durden be satisfied with me and i think that's still kind of a good question to ask sometimes right like am i you know if i'm working a dead-end job and i um just kind of throw myself into things to numb myself but they're not helping me feel fulfilled and you ask yourself or I ask myself, would Tyler Durden approve of this? It it might help you to change. <laughs> it, it's a good question to ask. Um, it's a bad thing to actually do. It, it's a good thought experiment. It's a bad actual experiment. Right. Like you just don't want to take it too far. Like, oh, Tyler Durden would want me to blow up some shit. I, I guess. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But also bad to like hold a gun to someone's head and yes yes i just mean like as a thought experiment like as a yes. thought experiment when you're watching the film and you watch this scene it still gets you thinking like hmm yeah should i be doing something different yeah anyway i want to know who your alter ego <laughs> would be yeah okay so her name uh would be ramona mm. and she has red hair and she rides a 2021 Kawasaki motorcycle and she doesn't chew her nails. She never had an awkward phase in middle school. She's also good at martial arts and knows many facts about history that can stop anyone in their tracks if they decide Is this to stay the woman in Kill Bill. On... Okay, I will say that <laughs> it did kind of, she did kind of inspire me a little bit. So yeah, kind of not completely. I don't know if Beatrix from Kill Bill had an awkward phase in middle school because Ramona did not have an awkward phase in middle school. Mm -hmm. So Ramona, she's unafraid to share her views on the world, even if that means her family will hate her if she does. So yeah, that's Ramona. She sounds cool. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, going back to your other point, by doing that thought experiment and answering that question, maybe I should incorporate a few of those things into my life. Mm. The things that I can control, right? I can't go back in time to middle school, but I could learn to ride a motorcycle. It is um, one of the more dangerous forms of transportation. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like I already kind of get nervous with transportation in general. And actually, my dad is a Harley rider. He's been riding motorcycles since he was like 15. 
he loves them and he is so unafraid. And I, I just don't know how to channel that fearlessness like he does. And so I never, I never got into motorcycle riding, but he would be very happy to know that I've at least thought about it. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think, I think we did it. I think we did it. Did we love Tyler Durden or did we relate to Tyler Durden despite our fight club shade? I think so. I, yeah. <laughs> I think if you're listening and you have any critiques about what we did today, that you are wrong. <laughs> I mean. I'm just kidding. Yeah. We're, we're never perfect. Yeah. If you have thoughts, feel free to email us. But we're not done yet. No, we're we not. We are not done yet. Stick around because Tiana has put together a poem. Yes. <clears throat> Uh, okay. <laughs> All right. Ready? Yes. You have to be ready for this because once it starts, it starts. I'm, I'm ready. All right. First rule of Fight Club is you don't talk about Fight Club. Oops. But I can write a poem. Isn't that a loop? When I enter the Fight Club and they question my presence, I say, I've also been snubbed. I've been drowning. I want to be a nuisance. I can't go out for drinks for fun anymore. My tummy aches when I drink. I need to not be a bore. They say, fine, you're in as a noob. Listen to the second rule. You don't talk about Fight Club, dude. I say, I am Jack's dopamine levels. I don't rise unless I satisfy you. They'll ask, who's Jack? I say, um, I don't know. He was my cat? Third rule of Fight Club is, it's over if someone says stop or goes limp. I say, got it. I likely know consent better than half of these wimps. Fourth rule of Fight Club is, two guys to a fight. How about three? Just you, me, and empires in my pupils tonight. Fifth rule of Fight Club is, no shirts, no shoes. Hey, everyone, take a look at my boobs. Swinging like a machete machine, there's my nipple. Slicing, providing your body a ripple. Boobs shine, come out like the sun. You can't run. Feel the feet on my pavement, my roundhouse kick. Flying dirt as a statement. Boom duck, we sweat rivers and our audience knows we're sending them shivers. It's okay to have weird teeth since we keep eating roasted concrete. Mmm. Uppercut boom, my slapping makes you see your grandma. Holding some roses, telling you to keep going. Their smell is so captivating that you know, in this fight, you must be shattering me. Eighth rule is, if this is your first night at Fight Club, you have to fight. Sidekick, boom, today I learned that death isn't a fright. You hit my tit, ouch, that's okay, but then my jaw is a cake. Hard pavement, oof, I can't get up, make a move. I've never had near-death experience, but stars I see remind me of transience. They say you see stars at knockout because you see yourself in new light flailing about. I say to myself, you've done well, remember that. I still take on blows and they always enchant. Here are the stars, the nights, the exhilarating sin. I tap out, in a way, I still win. The end. Wow. That was good. I never know how to react <laughs> uh, when it's just like me listening to right? a poem yeah. alone. <laughs> it, it was really good. Though. I, I mean, I, I like the the take of like coming into the, the fight club as a woman. Yeah. 
I think I wrote this as a way to kind of find the marriage between femininity and Fit Club and have them mesh and help show that like they can work together. Um, yeah. It doesn't always have to be all masculine, right? You can have a really intense fight while also thinking about your grandma. Yeah, Fight Club should be for everyone. Everyone! Oh, but I do want to ask you, there was someone that inspired me to write the poem in this style. Do you know who that person might be? You know who they are? Out of everyone I know, you know who they are. Like it's a person in my life? or like No. That, or, or, oh, okay. Someone that you know. Um, similar style to what I just did. Yeah, the whole poem, I was, it sounded familiar to me. <laughs> who, what I kept thinking of was the night before Christmas. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Shel Silverstein? No, but I can also see how that could be a similar style. There was some like cuter rhyming than mm -hmm. I feel like I typically attribute to your style. Yeah. <laughs> Froggy Fresh, Krispy Kreme. Oh. <laughs> That's who kind of inspired me to take on more of like a comedic rhyming route, especially in the part where I say like, Hey, everyone, take a look at my boobs. Like, I feel like that's something Froggy oh, Fresh yeah, would I, say. Yeah, I heard it. I heard it right then. Yeah, I feel like I was inspired. So I was like, oh, great. Like, Joe really likes Froggy Fresh. and There was a fun, like, kind of tongue-in-cheek. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, <laughs> thanks for listening. Listening. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for listening. I hope this was exhilarating. Yeah. Email us if you don't want to be a puss. <laughs> yeah, we're at, we're at nextdoorvillain at gmail.com or on most of the social media at nextdoorvillain. We love hearing from you. Leave us a review. You can do that on Spotify. You can do that on Apple Podcasts. Tell us what you think about Fight Club. Send us your poems. We almost always write you back. And check your spam. Our emails keep going into people's spam inboxes, and I don't know why, because yep. Gmail hates us. So. And that's it. Thanks for listening. That's it. Go get in a fight. Actually, don't. Don't, don't do that. All don't right. Do that. Bye.